Fit Podcast. We're here with Beck Rock, and we're really looking forward to this conversation about pushing through pain, motivation, and ultra running. So here you go. Let's go. James got the first questions up. Nice to have you with us, Beck. Thanks for having me, guys. And just quickly introducing Beck, um, Rebecca Rook, as she's formerly known. Rebecca does own and run a local resort here in Noosa called Twin Keys. She also does have two sons. So she's a busy mum, a busy wife, and a busy um, boss at work. But she's now also an ultra marathon finisher. Welcome, Beck. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> um, first question up for Beck today is. What drove you to sign up for the 100k run, the Guzzler in Brisbane a few weeks ago? Okay, so I've done, I've raced a lot of running racing over the past couple of years because racing's fitted in with having two children. So you can always run, you can fit that in. And so I was doing a sprint series and then I had a bit of an injury there. So I thought, okay, well, what do I do next? Um, And the way to get back to running was to go onto the trails. Um, and so I started entering 30Ks and 21Ks and then I did a couple of 50Ks and then my last 50K last year was pretty excruciating where I started at 2am in the morning and I thought um, if I could get through that, I needed to go to the next level and there was two reasons I picked the Guzzler. One reason was if I'm going to do an ultra, I want it to be hard and I want it to finish And the second reason was that I have a boy that goes to school in Brisbane. And so I picked a race where I knew he could crew for me so he could experience it with me. Mm. So that's that's my reason for picking the Guzzler. Excellent. How old is is Blake again? 15. 15. Yeah. Yeah. So, Beck, we've heard chatter around the place that the Guzzler was the toughest and um, race that's running race that's been held in Australia. Is that true? And are you able just to paint the picture of what you went through and what that 100K was like for you? Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> the toughest race. It's no doubt. I've never experienced anything like it in my life. Um, I guess for something like that, you, you can train to what you're given, but nobody was prepared for what this was, you know. They weren't hills. They were cliffs and mountains. Like, they seriously were. And... I guess for me, every the way I did it was um, checkpoint to checkpoint. So I knew I had so much distance to get to the next point and that was how I managed the race. So every, every checkpoint, I prepared myself, I stocked to get to the next checkpoint. And every hill, if it was too tough, I walked and when my IT bands locked up, basically locked up and couldn't move, I crawled. So one hill... And there was a comment on social media I saw where one guy took 22 minutes to do one kilometre. That, that, without a word of a lie, was, was how long some of the kilometres were. He was an elite runner, wasn't he? Yeah. He was a more elite runner. Yeah, yeah. like out there, there was um, a guy I met that had done um, the um, Western States. Yeah. And he, his comment to me was, if you can get through this, you can get through anything. Because even he hadn't seen hills that we were just hill after hill after hill. Um, as much as the hills went up, they went down and that was just as painful as, as going up, I would say. But to get down those hills, I slid on my bottom at stages, like fair on my bum and I just slid and I held onto trees and I got to the bottom and then I'd just go up again. But there was no point where I was going to say, I'm not going to finish this because I, I was going to finish it. I'd trained, I'd worked hard, I'd done my nutrition and I was not giving up on getting to that finish line. 
That was a question I was going to ask um, later on. Was there any point where you did have that mental battle of your brain telling you, oh, that'd be so nice to stop right now? Was that at all tiring at any point, um, having that conversation, or it just wasn't ever there? It wasn't ever there. Yeah, I, that's I, incredible. I started that race to myself saying, I, I will not DNF, and it's not in my make, and I won't do it. The body had trained. The body would get through it. It was getting my mind through it, and I knew my mind. I just had to keep going. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> James, James did a, one of the practice runs with you, mm. uh, 40Ks, where you did a couple of loops of sections of the, of yeah. the race. Um, was that your biggest training day, that, that session of 40Ks through the course? My biggest training session that I did was 45Ks, and that was three hill repeats at Mount, bottom of Gindia to Mount Timbiwa. So that was my biggest session. My second one was the one I did with Jamie. Um, the reason it's good that what I was doing with Jamie was I was always practicing the finish, so the last 10K. So I had that in my head because I knew fatigue would be set in for the last 10K of the guzzler. So I knew that last 10K like the back of my hand and that helped finishing the race. Yeah. Wow. And so in training as well, um, like when you did that 40K over the, the course, mm. um, how was your race fuel? Like you, were you practicing race fuel in training? Yep. And then how close to that did you stick on race day? And, you know, were, what were the reasons for choosing what you chose on race day? Like did you make some choices that were outside of the plan just because of what your brain, your stomach, mm. your body wanted? It's funny that you said it because I had a conversation with Jamie and when you get to a, a check, st- as, as we all know, when we get to a checking point, there's a table of food. And Tim would say to me, my husband, look at the table, look at the table. I'm like, no, I'm not looking at the table. That is not food that I eat. The food I've got on me is the food I race with, the food I've practiced with, the food that I know my body takes. And that's what I stuck to. I did not, did not go outside the plan. The plan was there and I stuck to the plan to a T. Water, hydration, electrolytes, food was all a plan and I stuck to it every 30 minutes. Yeah. And so, and you stuck to that exactly in exactly. training as well. Exactly in training. Yeah. Yep. So training what was practice. that plan? Can you, can you remember? Yeah. Well, so I have, uh, so I have a pack of 1.5 litres of water, which has salt in it. And I run with that to the first checkpoint because I know that's how much. And then I also have two um, bottles of infinite, which are 350 mils each. So, and I also have Vegemite sandwiches, which is white bread, Vegemite and butter. With, a, with the crust cut off. So every 30 minutes I would have 350 mils of infinite and with that I would have shots of um, cliff shots, which are a sodium block. And then the, the little th- chewy things? Yeah, they just yeah. soaked in my mouth because I can't do gels or anything like that. And then every other 30 minutes I would have a square of Vegemite sandwich, even if I wasn't hungry. I just stuck to the plan of every 30 minutes. Wow. And so the one and a half litres um, with the salt in it, was that about how long did that take to get through? How long were you roughly? Three hours. Three hours to yep. checkpoint to checkpoint yep. roughly. Drinking every, so eating every 30 minutes and infinite every other 30 minutes and then every 15 minutes in between that, drinking. So I would, my watch was on, my watch wasn't clocking kilom- kilometres. My watch was on so I could see what I was eating and drinking and sticking Did to you it. set it to beep every 15 minutes no. to remind you? You no. would just look at it and I'd remember the time. It. Yeah, remember the time. Yeah. Because it's a very, very rough course. There's rocks everywhere. Yeah. There's trees everywhere. 
Um, yeah. As you said, you're sort of face facing the ground if you're going vertical up. Yeah. So well, you were crawling. Yeah. Times. But it probably kept your mind focused. Yeah. Um, and one thing that people probably don't realize about you, Beck, is you don't normally eat bread, do you? No. Outside of the race. No. No. So um, it's interesting that you train stomach, on it. You train on it and yeah. you race on it. Yeah. Um, yet it's not part of your everyday no. nutrition strategy. Not at all. But it works. It works. And I think the salt content for me, um, I, I race ages ago, I cramped and I thought, well, I've got to work out how to not cramp because when you cramp, as you know, you, you just can't continue. And I didn't want to experience that. So. Um uh, I was going to lead into, so. Can I just ask a quick yes. question? Um, did you cramp at all in the race? No. Because that is just extraordinary. And one interesting thing, there was a sponsor on one of the hills mm. who was offloading a product for cramping and people were just grabbing it left, right and centre. And for me, it's just not something I would do because it's a product that I've never had and I would never race with. Yep. But obviously the people were were just grabbing anything because they were in a lot, whole world of pain, basically. <laughs> and um, I do remember you saying a funny story, and I don't know if you touched on it briefly before, but your husband, Tim, uh, when you got to that checkpoint, was it the 56K, the first checkpoint, or yeah. was it the… No, the se- that's the second one. The second one, yeah. sorry. Um, which checkpoint was it that Tim and you got into a <laughs> a bit of a dispute about yeah. you grabbing the table. The, the table? So it was about 55K, and he's yeah. like, look at the table, look at the table, what do you feel like? And I'm like, nothing, I'm not eating from the table. And Blake's like, just leave her alone. She's got a plan. She's sticking to a plan. And I just, yeah, I just wouldn't look at the table because I don't need anything off that table. Because, you know, as soon as you have something, it might upset your stomach yeah. and then the race might be over for That's you. That's right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And in training, um, did you ever get very tired throughout the build-up? Because you had a pretty long build-up with heaps of good training and yeah. And Jamie did a bit of it. I think I yeah. did one half run with you and Jamie as well. Um, but were there times where you were really tired, just like sitting at work and wanting to go and have a nap? Or was it pretty, you, you managed all of that well? Yeah, I look, and there was afternoons where I was tired because I'd build for three weeks and then Nick would um, give me like a, a lighter week for most people, which was still pretty full on, but it was lighter. But Saying that, no, I just function because I have a job to do, I've got to train and I just, the process, I've got children, I've, I've still to get them to stuff and do stuff. So it was just a process and just getting to bed at a time when I knew I had to and getting a good night's sleep. And I do sleep well, um, makes a big difference. And then up and at them again. So no. Not, that was going to be my next question. How was your sleep through the whole thing? It was always good then. Your yep. sleep was always good. Yeah. Because you were having some pretty late sessions in the gym. Yeah. Doing your weight. Wait yep. sessions. Yep. What, like nine? Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. I get at home nine. at nine thirty. Like I, well, I'd start some nights. I get home at the latest. I probably got home from the gym was about nine thirty. But I wouldn't get in there till eight eight thirty because it's just how it was. But as soon as I come home, I'd already eaten dinner before I'd done the gym. So I came home, did the gym, straight to bed. Oh, you wouldn't have any food after gym. No. Um, you'd eaten it all before. Yep. Yeah, yeah, wow. And Beck, can you just share with us what you do eat? Because the fact that you're injury-free leading into that race and then you didn't cramp during the race mm. shows that your um, nutrition outside of racing and training was also really spot on yeah. and um, suited you down to a T. Yeah. So could you share with the audience um, what, what you eat? eat generally? Yeah, what look, your, I'm pretty, what's your typical day? Um, I'm not 
um, celiac or any of that type of stuff, I'm not a big bread eater and I'm not a big um, dairy as in um, milk type products. That's just not me. As I've gotten older, I've found my stomach just doesn't deal with it. Um, look, I stick to a lot of, um, you know, I, I do like white rice, brown rice, um, veggies, all, all your proteins and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm very basic. I'm very, very simple with fruits and veg and everything like that. But I love a steak and, you know, a, a mixture. Every day is a bit different. But yeah. my, I do stick to the same type of hydration every day. Like I make sure I drink two litres of water, one litre of coconut water. It's, it's bizarre how I, what my hydration is. But I, I stick to that every day. Yeah. And if I'm running, I have a certain amount of salt water as well. But food-wise, I mean, it varies from breakfast um, – God, I can have lots of different. Mm. Still, I'll still have yogurt yeah. and fruit and yeah. stuff like that, but I just eat a lot of different stuff. Mm. And you eat a lot of uh, red canned salmon. Is that yes. right? It's one of your favourites. Yeah, one of my favourites will be every lunch, Nelly. Yeah. yeah, with I have it with mayonnaise, so that's a is a bit of a dairy product that I do have in it. Yeah, but I do eat a lot of salmon, a lot of fish, a lot of tuna. Yeah. You actually inspired me. I, I went to the shops the other day after you said that you were eating a lot of red canned salmon. Yeah, I and love Pete's it. always trying to get me to eat <laughs> more fish. No. <laughs> oh, I love it. And it's naturally a smell and a taste that I don't absolutely love. And mm. I think also um, a rid- from coming from a career where you're in an office, you don't really want to open a can yeah, of fish and then have people coming in and going, oh, yeah. it stinks in here. I know, and it does. Yeah. So, But you inspired me, so thanks for that. Oh, yeah. This week I've been eating a lot of red can salmon. I love salmon. Love it. <laughs> uh, can you tell us any of your secret or not so secret um, recovery processes that you've been up to through your training? Yes. <laughs> I talk am, about that a bit. I'm a big, big fan of the hyperbaric chamber. Um, and I use that usually for six sessions prior to a race and about four sessions after a race. Um, so I don't kind of use it when I'm first starting. It's probably more lead up to when I'm about to race and I'll use it once a week for, for recovery when I'm starting to get tired. Um, I just find the oxygen, I don't know what it is or the, the process of how it, how it um, feeds your body, but the recovery is, and I go into that chamber and I'm asleep for one hour. Like I am out cold. So obviously my body needs it and it's working well. And it and another thing, I get on a roller every night for an hour. I'm without fail. I'm an old old school. I get on the roller, I do all my stretches. You ask Dex, you ask Tim, Mum's there laying on the lounge room floor why people are watching television or whatever and I'm on the roller all the time. Are you watching TV while you yeah. do it? So it's it's basically relaxing yeah. as well. Yeah. Mind, mind switched off, yeah. doing something relaxing. And that's yeah. Um, was going to be my question about the hyperbaric train, but if you'd, yep. if you'd looked into the whys, but obviously not so much, more just that it works so you do it. Yeah. Um, but then there's it's a bit like the, the getting a massage, like a big part yeah. of it could be the placebo of just your brain, which is not so much placebo because your brain is f- physically switching off and relaxing and you're changing your nervous system yeah. response. But the fact that A, you believe it's working, but B, you're getting that hour have completely yeah. switched off from the world inside a little chamber yeah. where nothing can get to you. I mean, could there be any greater feeling of safety for your nervous system to yeah. relax than in a chamber totally yeah. protected from everything else? That's right. Um, as well as the oxygen as a bonus. Yeah. And look, you know, no phone, nothing switched on. I've in there, lights out, no, no distractions. 
that's how I feel when I go under the water in the pool for, you know, 30 seconds yeah. or a minute. It's that same feeling. Yeah. Nothing can get to me. Yeah. yeah. It's quite unique. And it's in there, it's cold. So I get the cold water therapy. Yeah. But again, it's placebo. I yeah. get out and I go, well, I've done my bit for the yeah. cooling off and um, now I need to warm up. But yeah, but also there's got to be some benefit there in the, yeah, the recovery chamber, as well as the, like the cold therapy. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of that uh, hard to put your finger on and research is a little bit here and there yeah. on some of the um modalities of it whether yeah. how often you use it or all of this there's so much up in the air still yeah but if it works it works yeah um and that's with everything in mm. in life or whatever it is that you choose to do but yeah also a big fan of the foam roller yeah and and that time of just switch off watch the telly do the foam roller yeah there's nothing else going on to distract you you can't you don't yeah. get up and you don't get distracted by other chores that you've got to do that's right it's you've time got, that you're yeah. doing something really beneficial and relaxing um, and yeah. it's also, um, I'm not a big massage fan. That's that's just me. I, I don't know. I'm a bit like have a massage, something opens up or it releases something, and then I'm like, oh, got to deal with that. So I find I can control the roller. I know what paint, what bits of me need the work, and like five February, five months of training, and. For 100k and racing and no injury, I think that's that's a huge kudos as, to as, my coach and yeah. to to the process. As well as the roller, do you get in with your hands into your calves and shins in any areas as well? Bit yeah, probably on. around there because I, um, you know, that Achilles calf issue. Once you have it, you always have it. It's just managing it. So yeah, maybe my fingers a little bit, but I stick to the roller and yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It speaks volumes for yeah, yeah. spending time. Doing the self-massage, getting yeah, to yeah. know your body, yep. what pressure you like and, and regulating yep. it all yourself. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Really good, really good advice. Um, being such a tough, hilly race, like ridiculously tough, one of the toughest, toughest ever in Australia, um, and being so hilly without any flat sections, um, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like because you're so mentally tough, it didn't really affect you, but without any let up of being either uphill or downhill, which is just as hard, you said, um, do you feel that that would have impacted your result a bit, that you just got so fatigued maybe from the mental fatigue of always fighting like, okay, now I'm uphill, okay, now I'm downhill, mm. because the whole central governor theory is that the brain regulates how much it will let your muscles switch on yep. according to how safe it feels it is, how much pain, how far you've got to the finish, and all of those things. Well, so f did you get a spurt of energy with one kilometre to go, for example? Oh, yeah. Um, I got to the top, <laughs> the last hill they call the Kokoda nightmare, basically, and it's just straight up. And it kind of it went up and then a tiny bit plateau. And I, you couldn't see it because it's pitch black. And I'd look up and I'd be like, oh, you're kidding. And you're still, still going. And I, when you get to the top, there's these two volunteers. And they're like, oh, you're at the top. And I said, I know exactly where I am. I know how far I got to go. I'm out of here because you meant to put a vest on to cross the road and I said that vest isn't coming on I'm out. and I did I sprinted like I sprinted through this flat down this hill and I just knew I was on the home run and I even danced at the end because yeah. I I was just I knew what I knew where I was I knew where to finish and yeah it was unforgiving and there was places that I could open up like there was a bit around the lake that you could open up and when I could open up I did open up because I just had to release the my legs basically from that constant locking all the time but um yeah i opened up at the end so 
being that it was such a tough course, um, would you do the same course again? Or would you like to test yourself, you know, on, on a different, different. on a different course? I, I'd, I'd never like to do the same race twice. Yeah. That's just my motto. I've just said, yeah. yeah, it's done. I've done it. I've, I've, I've completed it. And now I'll do something else when I decide what, what's going to be next. But I would never do the same course twice. And particularly, it seems like one's so tough that, as I was saying, mentally, it could have hindered your performance just because of the the fatigue, the punishment of the pain of the ups and downs. Mm. And whereas over 100 kilometres of a, a flatter course would be a totally different experience for you, one that you might push your body in a totally yeah. different way. Yeah, um, yeah. I totally agree with that. And I, I guess for me, though, the, the toughness is what made me do it, like to to – to just to finish it was just you know just that just the hills and the more hills and you know every time I'd look hello Nala every, every time I'd look up again there's another hill or look down again there's another hill but that's what I wanted as sadistic as it sounds I wanted it to be tough but yeah 100k is a long way but it's a good long way and Beck, I know there's a lot of people listening that probably thinking um, Beck's a mum, she's running her own business, but she's also got her own passion project, which is another business in Godiva Racing Shorts on the side. And she's trained and done 100K. Nala, down, down, down. Nala. Um, and she's trained, just done a 100K race. What is your secret? Because you're obviously very, you're having to multitask every mm. second of the day. Mm. And you're obviously very organised. So very. Is, is there some special um, uh, advice or some tip that you can give to men and women out there that are looking at you thinking, how does she do it? I think it is just to be organised. Like I, I, my one big thing in life is just to prove to my kids that you can do anything and I want to be their role model. We are their role model, Tim and I. And I just think by having that, at the moment, they're teenagers and, you know, they have this block on that they're wonderful and they can do anything they want. But I think as they get older, it will rub off when they're older. And having that organisation skill as well, it, it's all about my boys. It's about showing them to be organised, you can do anything you want. Like, you can run a business, you can have another business on the side like I do, and you can run 100 Ks. You've got to get to bed, you've got to get up early, you've got to eat properly, you've got to be organised. And I would rather do that than sit on the lounge and watch television every day. I'd rather put my body through hell and back again than, than not experience life. Like, it's just something that I choose to do because I love it. And before we were recording, you mentioned, like, that's your motivation. Your boys and yep. being a role model is your motivation for mm. having taken on a lot of these big challenges. Mm. So... Your boys mean a lot to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, look, and everybody loves their children and hates their children at the same time, <laughs> especially when they're lazy. But, you know, I'm just hoping something will rub off on them. And, and it has. Like that guzzler, one thing that I'll take out of it is um, within two days, Blake entered the half marathon for next year. He did it by himself without asking me. He went and entered it and my job's done. That, that's, that's all I wanted. That guzzler gave me an insight to my son proving that he can actually do something that he wants puts his mind to and that's all I wanted and that that's that's what I've taken away from the race 
Wow, that's um, that's pretty powerful stuff, Beck. Yes, he needs to do it. Yeah, but but he went and signed up independently of you, and he's doing it, and he's allowed to do it on his own. So yeah, yeah, that's off to him. Excellent. Because I think a big part of what he would have seen is that wow, you push yourself through pain, but that emotion on the finish line. Mm. I mean, that's what you know. People get at an Ironman, and why people love the finish of an Ironman because they're seeing that emotion. You know, fifteen hundred times as every athlete crosses the finish line. Yeah. Um, but to be close and see it, someone in your family achieve something and mm. be there as he was mm. throughout the whole time at every checkpoint. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly uh, powerful that. Oh, this is what life can be like. This is how powerful life can feel. This is how powerful I can feel. Yeah. And that sense of you know, if I put it in and it hurts, the sense of accomplishment that you feel is something really worth. Oh yeah committing to yeah and that's what a big part of like when we're working with people it's like getting that sense of if you commit to this and sacrifice a couple of things the payoff is just incredible of how Mm. it will change your character yeah and i think like i saw blake at um uh, the interesting checkpoint was the 83 checkpoint and people were dropping like flies i think because half the field dnf'd in the end um and he turned to me and he said um mum this People are just dropping left and right and centre. He said, you've got this. Get it done. You look strong. Just finish it. Just get it done. And then I was like, yep, right, continue, just keep going. So he he knows how far you can push yourself and what you can, you know, what you can do. I thought it was really interesting, Beck, the other day that you mentioned um, a lot of people did actually pull out at Mm. that point because their loved ones were saying, different things to yeah. them and what was that again that they were saying like when you got to this last checkpoint there was people that were like you know with their partners saying it's all right you've done enough you know if you need to if you need to finish now and I'm thinking no chance like just and where I had 15 year old going just get it done <laughs> like get this race finished and that's that's what you need like uh, there's no there's no DNF in the Rook family but, <laughs> but in, your, in your mind do you think those people when they had their loved ones telling them, it's okay, you can pull out now, you're in a lot of pain. Do you feel like if their loved ones were speaking to them as similar to Blake and Tim were, that maybe they just, they would have subconsciously just yeah. taken over and they would have maybe finished the race? Oh, f- for sure. I think when you have that doubt, doubt when they're hurting, and like, let me tell you, at 83K, we were all hurting because we had two more mo- monster, monster mountains to do and we all knew that. I think that was the time when they were like, okay, it's just too hard. So, yeah. And how many hours had you been running at that point getting to the 83K um, mark? Was it 83? Yeah, 83. Yeah. I was up to 14 hours. Yeah. And what was your finish time again? 17 hours and 20 minutes. Wow. So that shows you that last 18Ks or whatever it was, was just insane. Crazy. Yeah. And, and it was pitch black. Like, and usually... I'm, I get scared in the dark, you know, things. But I was, I was just remember saying to Tim, I was running, I was so focused and there was like God knows what noises in the bushes beside <laughs> me and I was like, oh, whatever you are, come at me. I just, I'm, I'm just focused and getting to this finish line and usually I'd be scared because it was so dark out there but you just were focused on just getting to that finish line. Wow. And um, I remember you mentioning the guy that was coming first. Mm. Was he... He went out pretty hard until, yeah. was it 36K mark? 30, 32K mark. He was gone. No hydration. Um, body was starting to just 
convulse and it just hadn't taken on enough water. But he did out yeah. at the 32k mark? He pulled out 32. He but was a gun. But did you say that because he was a gun and it was the inaugural event though, the first checkpoint didn't have their gear for the first few people though? Well, that's what they were it? saying. I didn't know, but I did mm. hear that the boys had come out. I think there's three boys that are that are yeah. gun trail boys, and I think they came out a lot faster than what the race organisers thought. So I don't think the race um, stations were fully equipped at that first checkpoint. From what Tim and that yeah. had said, so I, it I might wasn't have been here. a small factor for why it went pear shaped for him. But he, but, but he wasn't yeah. carrying like they. Yeah, that, he, I mean, they're experienced. They travel very light, and I understand that they're they're guns at what they do. But um, you know, I was probably I was like a pack horse, like Tim will tell you, compared to most people, I was completely had every everything I needed, and I was on my merry way. I had a picnic with your I Vegemite did. sandwiches. I did. Had all my things because if I was going to get spot checked, there was no way I was getting kicked off that That's course. That's right because they do spot check. They spot people, check don't you, they? yeah. And did people actually get spot checked? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bandages, um, blankets. So they were one-off spot checks for different things. So I'm glad I had everything with so me. So I think that's what we don't understand because we haven't done an event like this before. You're actually carrying a lot on on you as you attempt this. Five race. to six kilos. Five, six I, kilos. I had on five your to back. six kilos on me on, wow. on my own body weight. Yeah. Um, and further you know, sort of tech nerds out there yep. that talk in altitude and stuff. Mm. Um, how high was the total altitude? As in? As in how many metres did you? 4,600. 4,600 metres of climbing. Of climbing. Wow. You yeah. Know, that's huge. Yeah. So yeah. your UTA Blue, Blue Mountains, I think, is four and a half. But there was even, you know, two guys doing had done that and they even said to me, this this is just Well, a lot insane. of that one has stairs, doesn't it? Yeah, it has a so lot of stairs. So that kind of makes the uphill yeah. safe and easy and the downhill safe and easy somewhat. We had no um, stairs. We had no ropes. Yeah, we had like wattle almost. trees yeah. I was grabbing onto. Like a guy impounded himself in front of me, like wrapped himself around a tree and just winded himself because he came down one of the ledges too fast. Yeah, no ropes, nothing. Well... <laughs> It's been epic just to get to know, like, your mindset of this basically impenetrable mindset. Um, you know, it's crazy how strong your will is just to be like, no, I'm going to get it done. And there was not even a thought no. uh, label to get into your head of at any point, oh, this is a bit hard and maybe it would be nice to stop. Like, to have that mindset, but the commitment that you put in in training, um, yeah. you know, pays off yeah. on race day. Well, look, and you do get – there was dark times of pain and whatever, but no, never, not going to finish. No, that, that finish line was going to be done. <laughs> you, um, you got a really nice text from your coach, Nick. Yes. And what did he say to you in that text? Man of few words, Mr. Yep. Uh, Croft. And I was – I actually had tears. When I read it out to Tim, I was crying. Um, and he said that he's never worked with an athlete as um, – Oh, God, I'm getting emotional now. <laughs> um, as dedicated and absolutely followed everything to a T, as hardworking as I am. And that, coming from him, it's pretty, that's yeah. pretty big. Like, so that yeah. to me He's worked was, with a lot of athletes. Oh, so. yeah. And um, oh, I couldn't have done it without Nick. Like, Nick is who he is, but he's amazing and he works for me and I just can't thank him enough because I wouldn't have got across the finish line without him. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Mm. So... <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I think what we've got from speaking with you, Beck, is just how intuitive you are with your body mm. and how determined to just get 
shit done. Yeah. You don't you don't have excuses and you don't suffer fuels. Explicit iTunes now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. Rewind. Over. Rewind. <laughs> um but you're just you're so focused and driven and once you set yourself to a goal, yeah. it's your mindset's there and you're gonna do it. So have you always been like that or is that something you've had to learn? Yes, no. I come from a family of my father was a um, race pushbike cyclist um, and I think being brought up in that very environment of, um, you know, my dad was hit by many cars as a cyclist, was also a motorbike police. He's had nine lives and he has never, ever had an excuse or, or given up on anything. He just raced and was hit and kept going and going and going and I think that's part of my makeup I am my father's daughter tough yeah you're tough yeah tough yeah tough but fair but yeah I just I just don't want to sit on the lounge I, I mm. want to experience everything in life and I think trails is a beautiful you know when I was racing I'd stop at some points and look out and look at the view and where I was and it was just it was amazing even when I was in pain but mm. it's it's a great way to experience life is just to keep doing mm. what you want to do and I think the effect that you've had on um, us here in Noosa as a, a triathlon community um, and the the other triathletes and non-triathletes um, here is pretty amazing because you're the one that organises, um, you know, every Friday or Saturday morning you're texting the group and you're saying, hey girls, hey guys, um, we're running at this time on Sunday morning, um, be there, we're having coffee here at this time and everyone feels this uh, this uh, support network and this inclusion mm. and um, we've been told we're all galahs in the national park um, but I think you're the you're the real glue that glues everyone together and oh. you get us all organized so I think that's really special and I think everyone needs that personality and that friend in their training crew to get them going and yeah. get them motivated and you're that person here in Noosa for us yeah yeah, get just it done. get it done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, and I'm not a pro athlete or anything like that, but I just, I'm having a crack. And I love my run with the girls, you girls on Sunday. Like, we just, we we talk about kind of nothing. It's a bit of a Seinfeld run, <laughs> yeah. but we analyse everyone's, our own lives and we're, we're very honest with each other. <laughs> and we all have this fantastic relationship where we kind of love and hate each other in or in a in a good way but we're, we're like sisters it's like a, just a big group of sisters and brothers with the boys that run with us yeah as well yeah. it's yeah. great sometimes sometimes the boys run and sometimes the boys need some quiet time <laughs> well that's why tim doesn't run because tim's like oh, i cannot be talking that much um yeah i'll leave that to another time then the whole you know talking and running and the benefits of maybe not talking when you're running i'll just you know for now, we'll just say of talking and the running. Benefits of talking and running. Yeah, um, yeah. So excellent. That's been fantastic to have you back and get an insight into all that. Hopefully, Jane will get a great um, motivation to do a do one herself one day. She'd be excellent at it for sure. I believe. Yes. It'd be really good for her. Beck taught us that maybe you start with a few fifty k's and you work your way up to the hundred. Yeah. Well, you better sign up for a fifty k then and get get stuck in. But just Beck, get it done. Beck, if um, anyone wants to get in contact with you regarding your Godiva race shorts, you yes. wore them on race day. We didn't mention that. Yes, I did. And you ran into a lady that was one of the volunteers 
And yes. what did she say to you? She was like, oh, my God, you're Godiva lady. <laughs> and she was like, oh, my God, I've got all your shorts. And she called the photographer. This is at 70Ks when I'm just, like, depleted and wanting to fuel myself and brought a photographer over and was like, get some action shots. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so that was interesting. But if they do want to get in contact, um, my website, www.godiva.com, which is godiva.com. And, of course, there'll be links in our website and yeah. Insta and wherever we can, wherever we promote the podcast. Um, yeah. So it's been great chat. Thanks so much for coming and spending the time with us, Beck, here in our house in Noosa and the silly little dogs running around the whole time. Oh, but fine. Thanks, thanks for, your for having me. Yeah, it's been very, good. We're very humbled that you, um, you're a very, very busy lady. We know that. And we absolutely love you, Beck, and we really appreciate oh, all your time. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thanks.